Acts chapter 16. I'm doing a series to my new family that just got baptized. I'm doing a new series. I call it crazy church, not because we're all lunatics, but because the church does things that boggles the mind of the world and hell can't figure us out. Because we have died to ourselves and it's now Christ living in us. And so now, game over. The church can do anything for his kingdom when we sacrifice ourselves and allow Jesus to have his way. So Acts 16, verse 6, this story is awesome. In verse 16, they're going to the place of prayer. This is Paul and his ministry team. Earlier in the chapter, Paul had received the call to Macedonia. It came in a vision. It was like out of nowhere, there's the call to Macedonia. That's modern day Greece area, you know, in that area. And he had great success there. He looked for a place of prayer and found women who were praying in a meeting. And he stepped into their meeting. How many of you know God can use women? I know that's so obvious, but you know, there's some people that struggle with that. And uh, here's the key to opening ministry to the Gentile Greece world. And it was a group of gals gathering together, praying, probably not to the God we pray to. And Paul stepped into that meeting, he began to share Jesus. And uh, Pastor Dan was with this family, and he shared Jesus in such a powerful way. I kind of wanted to get saved again. I can imagine what it was for Paul to share Jesus and to share the love and the provision. But it was in such a way that at least one of the ladies, maybe all of them, But at least one of them committed her life to the Lord and was baptized. Her and all her family. The the evangelist that came to our our home church, Denny Duran, was ministering to a youth convention in Hawaii. How many want to be called to Hawaii? And uh, on one of his days off, he was down at the beach and there was a bunch of... uh, Just young people doing what they do on the beach and uh, surfing and rowdy and all of that. And the Lord told Denny, share me. Now, this was out of nowhere. Denny didn't go down there. He had enough young people to preach to. He didn't need more. But the Lord told him, go and share. Man, he thought about it. They didn't know him from Adam. And he stepped into their circle and he shared Jesus and he did the whole story and he shared the love of the Lord and he shared how much he can do for their lives. And when he was all done, not really feeling like like a whole lot had happened, but he honored the Lord. And when he was all done, 
He said to the group, now, how many in this group would like to invite Christ into their life? And on that beach, the ringleader of the crowd said in a loud voice, come on, man. We all do. Everyone in that group invited Christ into their life. That's what I feel like it was with Paul meeting these gals he had never met before. Nothing but a commission from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to step into this group I don't belong to. I'm going to step into this group that maybe doesn't get me or understand me. I really don't have a point of contact other than the Holy Spirit. How many know that's enough? Get out of your comfort zone. Find a way to share the Lord. They were all saved. He stayed. He headquartered out of her house. And now we're back in this verse. And as they're going to a place of prayer, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. She could tell the future by the help of demons. How many of you know demons aren't really that helpful? You know, in America, in our culture, we pretend there's different types of magic. We say, well, there's, there's white magic, that's good. And then there's black magic, and that's bad. Let me tell you something. It's all black. No matter how it's packaged or how it's wrapped, no good can come out of darkness. No good will come from hell. Here's a young lady that, that had been empowered by a spirit of divination. And she brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. And as they were, uh, and she followed Paul, she heard Paul and his group, and she followed them. And they were met by this slave girl, and she followed Paul and cried out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. How many know everything she said is accurate? And yet, her delivery's a little off. You can be accurate and have terrible delivery, and it'll invalidate everything you just said. Here she is screaming like a maniac at the top of her lungs. Follow these guys. She's foaming at the mouth. She's way too loud. She's trying to override the demonic presence inside of her and show a little hope. Hey, don't end up like me. Listen to these folk. They know the way. Folks, that's not a good thing. If your strongest supporter is a demoniac, that's like Charlie Manson following him around. Hey, that guy, you want to follow that guy? Ted Bundy in the background, yeah. Not good. Not good at all. After time, Paul had had enough. Point number one, your loudest supporter may not be your best help. 
in life this works out. Sometimes your loudest supporter evaporates when you need him the most or need her the most. Sometimes your biggest pat on the back, the next time around, there's a knife involved. Sometimes the most vocal isn't really the most loyal. Words are easy, but are the people there when you need them the most? When the heat is really on, is it genuine or is it a political move? As long as you're rising, I'll be there. If you ever falter, I'm finding another rising star. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Words are not enough. You can't surround yourself with a bunch of yes men who can be bought easily. When you go into war, you need someone shoulder to shoulder and side by side. Someone you can count on. You never have to look over your shoulder and wonder, are they still with me? Demonstration. I know this talks about the spiritual world, but it applies to your life as well. You need folk who will be with you. Acts 6, or I mean Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions would come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The cheerleaders move on to the next sport. They don't stick around. They don't, they don't, good job, you woke up this morning and you're in your right mind. Yes. They don't do that. They're there at the state championships and they're gone the next day. You need someone who will stick closer than a brother in your life. You need people you can count on. Did you know that the loudest praise Jesus ever got was when he entered the city of Jerusalem on that Passover weekend? They were going nuts. The Romans had to quiet them down. The Pharisees said, keep them quiet. They're so rowdy. That was the loudest praise Jesus ever got. And in a few days, that same crowd was saying, crucify him. Hey, we've got to be that friend that sticks closer than a brother. We've got to be the kind of people you can count on. We've got to lift the bar to where we're spiritual friends. We care about each other's. It's super important. Acts 16, verse 19. When her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Paul just spoke and the demon left. When he left, her powers went away. When her powers went away, they couldn't make any money off her. What's the weather going to be like tomorrow? I don't know. You're no use. And they connected the dots. It's Paul's fault. The slave owners missed the miracle. Where Paul, with one word, delivered this young girl from a life of torture, had given her hopes and dreams and a future. They missed all of that. 
From that moment on, she had reclaimed her life. They missed it. They didn't see the miracle because they were focused on the money. Point number two, a distorted vision will miss the miracle. If if we allow ourselves to look at things in a carnal way, if we try to add up the pluses and minuses, if we envision how it's going to end up, we could go through the whole ride and miss the miracle. Not even notice. I, I was at, so funny, I went to Disneyland when uh, Star Wars was a new ride, so how old is that? <laughs> In my mind, my preconceived mind, I thought for sure it was going to be an awesome roller coaster ride. So they had all this pre-ride stuff that was super awesome, robots and video and all this stuff. So I'm waiting patiently, and finally we get to a room, and they sit us down, and I'm thinking, wow, they upped the ante to go into the roller coaster. We get to do all this. This is pretty fun. I can't wait for the roller coaster. I stepped out of my chair into the exit and I realized, wait, where's the roller coaster? (laughs) I missed the entire ride because I thought it was going to be one thing and it ended up being another. Hey guys, you've had miracles happen in your life and you missed the whole thing and so have I. Where we thought God was going to do one thing, this is how it's going to end up. And God took us a whole nother route, and it was so miraculous, but all the while we're waiting for the old miracle we thought was going to happen. Don't miss out on great things in life. Don't miss out on what God's doing in your life and all the amazing things that are happening and the miracles and the connections and the wonderful stuff going on. It's such a sad way to live your life. Don't tell God how he's going to do stuff. You're not smart enough. Oh, pastor's being all mean. No, I'm not smart enough either. God knows everything. We have a little bit of knowledge. God has all knowledge. Vision is so key. Point number two, distorted vision. We already said that. You'll miss the miracle. Don't miss the miracle. How do we keep our eyes right every morning and start with God? I want to see things right today. I want to watch your hand move in people's lives. It might be just a tiny little cloud the size of a man's fist, but I predict a big storm coming. It might be just a little tiny benefit that comes my way, but God, I know it's going to snowball into something amazing. How many are waiting for a miracle? Yeah? Watch for it. And if you can't see very good, number one, change your seat. Get closer. Get closer to God. If you had a hard time seeing, get closer. Secondly, tell the Lord, I I need your eyes, God. I need to see it like you see it. Open my eyes. Do you know it's such a great view from heaven? 
You can see everything. People pay big dollars to be higher on the mountain. The view is so much better from heaven. You know, things distort us. We have a, we have a paradigm we look through. And uh, it clouds our vision. In Galatians, there's two ways to look at things. In verse 19, chapter 5, the flesh, just our regular selves, the way we live our lives, is simply like this. It, it has sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Man, it's a long list, isn't it? Envy, drunkenness, or stuff like that. You could see it on Whiskey Row. 